0: No matter what it looks like, and I hope we can understand that today, I want to talk with you today about the providence of God. It's it's not a new topic, it's just uh, an adding to what we've talked about before, because if you've been following us in our study of the book of Acts, we are up to chapter 25 now, and by now, if you are anything like I am, you're so tired of these. Chasing Paul and arresting Paul and just tearing up whatever he tries to lay out for. Him. I'm so tired of him, I don't know what to do. Yeah. And every time I read the next chapter, I'm saying, My Lord, when are they going to go somewhere and sit down and leave this man alone? Have you not seen by now? that the providence of God is involved here and not just Paul. That's what I want to talk with you about this morning, the providence of God. Providence. I like the definition that Millard Erickson gives when he says, the providence of God means the continuing action of God In preserving his creation and guiding it toward his intended purposes. Now, part of what that means is God has not made this great place for us to live in and left it in our hands. Because we tear up stuff. We're not good stewards. God has made in this world, including us, each of us has a purpose that is a God-designed purpose. And I know that at some point in your life, you sat down with parents and you kind of mapped out what you wanted to do and where you wanted to go and who you wanted to marry and the kind of career you wanted to have without understanding that God has been in your life even before you were here. God has known every one of us before we were a thought in our parents' mind. And he gave us life because he had a purpose for us. Oh, I hope we can get some help this morning. See, because I think some of us think we're just kind of freewheeling it through life. And we're doing as well as we are because we prepared ourselves and we've been good people and the Lord has blessed us as opposed to those who don't have as good a job or as many opportunities. And I'm saying to you this morning that God has a purpose for everything and everybody he created. And it really isn't up to us to determine what that purpose is. And that's what Isaiah is saying in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 through 11 or 12 around in there. He said the first thing we need to understand, God is saying to, the, to his people and saying to us today, is the, here's the crucial thing for you to understand. I don't think like you. I think we've heard those words. But we really don't process them. Because we go through too much stuff where we try to play God, so we haven't understood that yet. When we sit back to judge folks, we're trying to play God. But God is saying to you, you ought not try that because the way you think and the way I think are as different as day and night. I think some of us try to get ourselves to the place where we think pretty close to God. That we think our intellect is God's intellect. That we think that our, our strengths are God's strengths. Folks, we don't need to ever compare ourselves to God. Y'all not want to be God, that's too much weight. That's too much weight for us to bear. And if you think you want to be God, if he lets you be God, for one day you'll be as cray-cray as you can be at the end of the day. Because we can't begin to understand the mind of God. Paul says his mind is beyond finding out. I don't do things, God says, the way you do things. And that's because I don't think the way you think. And that should give us the ammunition we need for our sinful wicked flesh every time we try to figure out what's going on in the world there's something we never gonna figure out there's some things that have happened in your life that you will come close to understanding but will never fully be able to figure it out until you stand before the lord in judgment because every one of us has been selected by god i want you to listen carefully the providence of god means the continuing action of god continuing in preserving his creation and guiding it toward his intended purposes now what that means is that we are able to live in the assurance That God is present and active in our lives. Can you see that this morning? Do you believe that God is present and active in your life even right now? That all of what's happening with you is not happening by chance, by coincidence, by accident but that there is a God who lives in us and has promised to never leave us. That is, we, and we are in his care and can therefore face the future with confidence, knowing that things don't happen strictly by chance. You know, I think there are a lot of Christians who still think that things happened by luck and chance and it was a coincidence and you never would believe what happened to me. Folks, the providence of God has been evident throughout the world, throughout the church, and even in our personal lives. The providence of God means you can see God actively participating in your life. Now, hold on now. Because what that means is everything we've experienced in our lives is because God has led us through it to bring us to where He wants us to be. We talk about the potter and the clay, but all of us understand that when that lump of mud or clay is laid on that spindle, at first it doesn't look like anything. As a matter of fact, it's not anything but a lump of clay. It has no shape, it has no form, and that's the way we are when God puts us on his spindle. But throughout the remainder of our lives, he's spinning us and he is shaping us and molding us to take us to where he wants us to be. I'm going to tell you something. God is going to do that in us whether we cooperate or not. Because Isaiah goes on to say, I want you all to understand that because God doesn't think like we think and because he doesn't do things the way we do things. That means that he's sovereign. And here's what the sovereign God says to you, to us. My word is not going to return unto me boy. And in one verse, God describes the reason for the rain. I want you to listen to that verse again. I hope you didn't miss it in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse number 10. The Lord says, after telling us that his ways are so much higher than our ways, he says in verse 10, for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, But water the earth and make it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. God has taken the rain and gone through to the eater. And all of that happens because of the providence of God. We have nothing to do with that. The Bible says God provides the rain and the snow But he doesn't take it back from us. He provides it for a purpose. The rain and the snow are designed to water the earth and to make it bring forth buds. And once it brings forth buds, then the sower can go out and sow. And then we can put bread on the table. And then God says through him just as true. Just as surely as that's true, listen to what else is true. In verse 11, so shall my word be. Mm -hmm. If you can understand from the rain to the eater, then look at this. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. Once the Lord speaks it, It's dumb. Just as surely as he stepped out into darkness one day and said, let there be light. And the Bible says, and there was light. (laughs) The Lord says, just as surely as my word comes out of my mouth, it shall not return to me void. It's not going to return to me fruitless. But it's going to bring about what I said to you in that word. Now he goes on to say, but it shall accomplish what I please, not what you (laughs) please, not what I like. And to that degree, folk, our lives are not about what we want, but it's about what God wants Uh and how he has instilled in us some things that were gonna take us further than we can ever imagine being taken. The Bible says, but it will prosper in the thing for which I sent it, whether you like it or not. Now, let me help you to come closer to this, to see how the providence of God works because that's what's at play throughout the book of Acts. Right on up through Acts chapter 25. These people are still mumbling and grumbling. As a matter of fact, if we had to do uh, an update, this would be it. Uh Let me just refresh your memories. Paul, Paul had gone back to Jerusalem against the advice of all his Christian brethren. But he had gone in the power of the Spirit. There he was seized, the Bible says, and almost beaten, imprisoned and kept by the Romans. When an assassination plot was hatched up, God delivered him because he had promised him that he would testify in Rome. Paul witnessed to Felix, but Felix was looking for a bribe and kept Paul under house arrest for two years. Oh, being arrested under false accusations didn't start with the Central Park Five. It started with the apostles. It started with Jesus. Here, people, here's a man who's been sitting in jail for two years with no viable charge against him. Two years. Paul says, "In everything they've said about me, they can't prove it. I've done nothing. And yet he was sitting in jail for two years. The Bible says they kept Paul under house arrest for two years, in which time he crushed the rebellion in Caesarea. And the Jews sent a delegation of men to Rome and had him removed. Festus, the new provincial governor, on the scene. And just to show that it was not just a favorable ruler that spared Paul's life, directed him to Rome, and God moved in powerful ways to secure Paul's travel to Rome. If you can see nothing else throughout the book of Acts, especially as it concerns Paul's travels, you ought to be able to see how the hand of God was always in the mix. Paul was never by himself. Now listen, you you have to admit, who would have ever thought that Paul would have been voted the most outstanding apostle of Christ before he met Jesus. His prior life, Paul was persecuting the church. Who would have thought that God had him picked? Can you hear this?
1: to be the
0: apostle to the Gentiles preaching about Jesus. The very God he was persecuting. And that's what Jesus said to him on the road to Damascus, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Don't you know you can't kick against the bridge? Don't you know you have no wind at the end of the day? But here was a man whose life was messed up, who stood at the feet of others as they stoned Stephen to death. But this is the man whom God had chosen from the beginning of the world to be the greatest apostle for him that the world would ever know. This man would write more epistles to the churches than any other apostle but God had chosen him before he started living that raggedy life. And that brings me to us. We haven't always looked like this. Some of us can remember the time before how we lived before we met Jesus. And our lives were just as messed up as Paul's was. So it may take some of us a minute to understand that God selects us before we start considering ourselves perfect. God gave from the beginning of Paul's creation. When he was still Saul, God had a mission for him. And he steered him toward that mission. Now, see, this is the kind of thing that you can't understand while it's happening. Uh This is the kind of thing you can only appreciate in retrospect. Now, I have you to come closer to that. Don't you remember who you used to be? (laughs) Can't you see some things clearly now that you couldn't see 20 years ago? Can't you see some wisdom in the things God allowed you to experience? To bring you to where you are right now? And don't you remember when you said Lord, what are you trying to do to me? Have you left me? Am I no longer valuable to you? Why are you through this. Little do you know that God is getting you ready for something you can't even imagine. Something you've never thought about. It wasn't even in your purview. Saul wasn't thinking about being no disciple of Christ. And there was a time when we weren't thinking about being no Christian. But God kept us. Because he's trying to take us somewhere that we can't even see yet. When you understand that, you'll start complaining about what you've been through. See, because I wouldn't take nothing for my journey. Paul doesn't sound like he'd take anything for his either. Because at the end of it, he says, I fought a good fight. He didn't say, I regret anything. He didn't say, I finished my course. But Lord, it was a hard course. He didn't say that. Because, see, hard can only be understood in terms of how much value you put on what you're trying to accomplish. If you really want the prize, you'll put up with some stuff to get it. See, I don't care nothing about going to the Olympics. (laughs) That's why I don't train like no Olympic person. (laughs) I don't care nothing about going to the senior citizens, olympics, And that's why I don't train like that. But see, here we have a man in Paul who understood the value of what he was seeking to the point where he was willing to do anything, to suffer anything. Oh, you know about that. Based on how much you value that paycheck, some folks won't even come home to the family working three jobs, four jobs. Because, see, that's the way it is when you value money like that. It becomes more important than your family. And y'all may be eating good and sleeping good and riding good, but you ain't living good. So it's all depending upon the value you place on what you're trying to get. Paul says, I'm trying to get a crown of life (laughs) that fades not away. So I'm going to stick with this. Whatever God sends my way, I'm going to stick with it. Let me give you a couple examples, and then we'll finish. All of us have had some dealings with providence in our lives. We may not have known what to call it, but the Bible says we've all had to deal with some providence because there's a time and a place for everything. Everything. You'll remember in history. It's it's, it's a, a, a part of history uh, that this really happened in the 1800s. This is historically true. In the late 1800s, a member of Britain's parliament went to Scotland to make a speech. He got off the train in Edinburgh and then took a carriage south toward his destination. Unfortunately, the carriage became stuck in deep mud. A local farm boy came to the rescue with his team of workhorses. In his gratitude, the politician offered a reward, but the boy refused, saying he wanted nothing. Well, he persisted, so the legislator said to him, well, is there anything that I can do for you. He said, what would you like to do when you you grow up? The young boy said, I'd like to become a doctor. The member of parliament promised to do what he could, and in fact, secured admission to the university for the young man. Now listen, during World War II, more than 50 years later, Winston Churchill lay dangerously ill in Morocco, suffering from pneumonia. A new wonder drug was administered to him, penicillin, which had been discovered by Sir Alexander Fleming, the Scottish farm boy of so long before. And the politician who had sponsored him to the university. He was Randolph Churchill, the father of Winston. Folks, that's providential. That's providential right there. Let me show you what else is providential. In Genesis 39, the story of Joseph is providential. If you can't see God's hand over the life of Joseph, then you can't see. And you don't know God because God's intent was to take Joseph from being a small teenager whom his brothers detested because he didn't know when to keep his mouth shut. Running around telling stuff all the time. They despised him and they despised him to the point where they sold him and went back home and told his father that something has killed him. God's intent, God's purpose on Joseph's life was to take him to Egypt and put him number two in charge. He didn't tell Joseph that. Because, see, when you tell folks stuff like that, one of the things is they start living that before they get there. Then told me this is what I'm going to be, so I'm going to start acting like it now. Well, you're not there yet. You're going to get busted down. God didn't tell Joseph what he had in store for. Him. But in God's intents and purposes for Job, he wanted him to end up as the second in charge in Egypt during a very important time. Oh, Lord, I hope you can see it. Because, see, God may be working you and shaping you for a very important time that you can't even see yet. You don't know nothing about it, but know that God is steering you toward it. And you know that it's not bad because it's all designed to give Him glory and Him honor. In order to get Joseph where he wanted him to be, Joseph had to be lied on. He had to be falsely accused. A man just told her, her, a woman told her husband that Joseph just tried to just abuse me and take me while you were gone. The biggest lie ever been told. So when you ask, will honest, sincere, religious, God-fearing, obedient Christians be lied on? Yes! Will folk falsely accuse you? Yes! They falsely accuse Joseph and he sat in jail almost to the point that they had forgotten he was there. But I want you to understand all of this was within the province of God. Because he had to go to jail so he could meet the baker and the butler and interpret their dream. Lord, your mercy. Sometimes God sends us where we don't want to be so we can learn something, and he can open some doors for us. See, our open door may be on the other side of the prison bar. And if we've been so busy complaining about the prison bars, that we can't see the open door on the other side of the prison bars. We should know sometimes the Lord doesn't let us see it like that. He says, let's just lets us go through what we're going through while we're going through it without complaining. Because we understand that whatever work he started in us, he's going to finish it. And it's going to be to our good. We need to, we need to stop snatching away from God. You, know, you remember that when you were a child? That gets you beat down quicker than anything. <laughs> Mom, grab your hand. You snatch it away. You, you want to get hurt? That's what you want to do. Well, religiously, religiously, that's what we do. God wants to use us, and He wants to send us somewhere, and we don't like where He's sending us. So we snatch away from Him spiritually. We say, "Get your hands off of me. That's not where I want to go." I don't know what's over there, but it don't look good to me. Which is evidence that you don't trust God. <laughs> I want you to think about it. Everything you've been through was orchestrated by God. Yeah. 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 Even through our sin and mm-hmm. he had to show you that's you. So you can come down off your high horse. Stop trying to judge other folk. So he lets some things come to you. Let me tell you something. Lord have mercy, I wish I had. Okay, look, look, look. There are things, there are things that, there are things that all of us experience that we don't quite understand until we look back on them. I went to show you the providence of God. Went to Cincinnati just recently to the funeral of a brother who was like a brother to me, Brother Ron Wright. And as I arrived in Cincinnati, one of the daughters, had called me and said, Brother Anthony, we have somebody who'll be picking you up at the airport. Gave me the young man's name. It was a young man, black a teenager. But when I got to Cincinnati, they called and said, well, something came up and that young man can't make it. We're gonna send another brother, Brother Reggie Bronson, and he'll be coming to pick you up. And I said, okay, I did, you know, it didn't make no difference to me. I just wanted to be picked up. <laughs> so on the day that I arrived in Cincinnati, it was raining. And, of course, it's like any city where it's raining and there's five o'clock, six o'clock in the afternoon, people are trying to get home. And Brother Brunson came out and he rode around the facility a couple of times. He missed me. I told him how I looked and where I was standing. He rode by a couple of times and missed me. And then I called him and he said, I've been riding by, I don't see you. So well, I'm still standing right where I was standing. And they one of me out here. <laughs> I, I saw you ride by once, somebody I thought it could have been, but he was in that far out lane. He wasn't in the lane where you pull up and just pick folks up. Yeah. So when I finally got him, he said, brother, I'm so tired, I don't know what to do. It's this weather, this everything just, I said, I understand. I said, ride around again. I, I think I saw you. See you in a little white car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, okay, I think I saw you. Just uh, slow down when you get around to this section. And sure enough, he came and he got me. I don't know why God put that man in my life. But he said some, most, uh, some of the most profound things to me while I was there. On that ride back to the hotel, coupled with his teaching the Sunday school class that morning, coupled with the ride back to the the airport, and him sitting there talking with me while we were waiting for my flight to leave, he changed my life. Don't know him from a can of paint. Somebody else was supposed to come, but he ended up coming but he had done some things in his past life and he was speaking to me without a knowing he was speaking to me. And some of the things he was talking about, I wasn't known up to. I said, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm, you know how we do. (laughs) But he was talking about me. brought me back here a changed person. All I can say is thank you, Lord. Thank you for Brother Reggie Bronson. Who would have known that I would have been affected like that by that man? When Brother Howard Wright and I were at Harding some 50 years ago, Harding, we integrated Harding which was an all-white school of about 1,200 at the time we went there in 1966. Times were rough in 66. The, the, the Christian schools were just getting up to a place where they would accept an African-American student. So they accepted a few here and a few there. And when we got there, we among about 30 blacks were among about four who belonged to the church. And we met some difficult times while at heart. People said some ugly things about us and they said it like, you all don't belong here. You are not intelligent enough to do the work here. As a matter of fact, you probably would do yourself better service if you just withdrew because you're gonna end up signing shoes anyway. A couple of our professors told us that. Let me show you God's hand. 50 years later, you hear what I'm saying? 50 years later, the two young men that they talked about like that, and, and I had people come to me in subsequent years and say I was there, I'm so sorry I did that. I had nothing against you, but I just didn't like black folk. And you have nothing to do but forget them. But isn't it strange, isn't it the providence of God, and isn't it ironic all at the same time that 50 years later, Harding would give Dr. Wright and Howard Wright an honorary doctorate degree. Isn't it ironic that he sits on their Board of Directors? That ain't nothing but the providence of God. We didn't know what we were doing. We just happened to be in school somewhere. And 50 years later, selected me as the outstanding alumnus for the year of 2018. How providential is that? I'm just trying to show you how the providence of God works. Uh You need to understand this morning that everything that we're about, God knows about it. Not only does he know about it, he's involved in it. I hope you can hear me. I'll summarize this this morning by saying, if there are places God wants us to be in, we will be there. Nothing can stop it. Nothing can stop it. And if you don't believe that about the God we serve, then you need to re-question whether you know him at all. If there are things that we are to do, we will do them. And it's not as if we are puppets or that our will is being violated, but it's that God is powerful enough and wise enough and good enough to bring our lives and this world and everything in it to his intended goals and purposes. Make no mistake about it. Many times God uses ordinary means to achieve his aim. <coughs> sometimes he uses governments and privileges and parents and jobs and school. And then there's sometimes when God uses painful experiences like prison and sickness and divorce and heartbreak to bring about the greatest glory and the most good. Have you ever noticed that some people bring more attention to themselves in their death than in their living? That so many people are changed by somebody's death more so than they were their living? I think we're seeing that right now. But here's our thing. Our duty is to stay close to God in our devotion To hear from him regularly, which is what we're doing now, and to be flexible enough in our plans and confident enough in him that when things go different from our expectation, we can lift our hands in authentic praise and say, thank you, Father. That's why Paul can say, I'm not satisfied. I'm content, though, with everything the Lord has done. He said, I've learned how to be content whether I'm up or down, whether I'm hungry or fed, whether I'm clothed or naked. That sounds like the man who understands that God has his hand on your life. And some of the very things you don't think he's guiding you around, he is guiding you around. And into some things that will end who knows Only he knows. So what is the plea this morning? That we will stop second guessing God. God has already decided what he wants to do in your life. And he's going to take you to that. He's going to take you to the end of that. Now, make no mistake about it. All of it is not good. But see, God put some people in the world to show us what we don't want to be. Everybody's just not good. God can encourage somebody through your stubbornness. God can teach somebody through your humility. He can teach somebody through your unfaithfulness. He doesn't always show us what we ought to do. Sometimes he puts in our path people who show us what we don't want to do. Have you ever learned from other people like that? Seeing somebody's life is the Lord, I don't want to live like that. (laughs) Even in the church, Lord, I don't want to be unfaithful like that. I don't want to be up and down like that. Thank you for putting this person in my life because now I know what unfaithfulness looks like. (laughs) We'll come back to that tonight. If you hear and you've heard this this morning, all we want you to admit is that you're not in this by yourself and you're not smart enough to work it out by yourself. So don't think that God has given you a pot of gold and left you to, to, to steward over it by yourself because he knows what we'll do with a pot of gold. We'll mess that slap up. So when he's giving out these blessings, he's also steering us down a path that, listen to me, that's custom-made to take me where he wants me to be. I've been through some stuff. But if I had to do over again, I wouldn't change a thing. Because it took all of that to bring me to where I am right now. Lord, I like where I am right now. I'm glad I'm not where I used to be. Mm. Thank you for having mercy on me. And like Paul, I say, I am what I am only by the grace of God. Because I, like Paul at one time, was the chief of sinners. I persecuted the church. I didn't kill nobody. But when you're not pulling for the Lord, you're pulling against him. And that's what we need to understand. While he's trying to get us to a place we can't even imagine, we keep snatching back. Don't snatch back from him this morning. You've heard the word. Take it to heart, be repentant. You don't even have to tell us about it. Tell God about it, just do it. It's not important that we hear it except if it's gonna encourage somebody else. Yeah. That-